Marshall Media Montage, episode 31. Got some Deftones going on. Uh, I'm doing Polar Opposites uh, segment, I guess, number two, if you will. I talk uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt, as well as uh, Nicolas Cage produced uh, Willie's Wonderland. Uh, it's They're both really cool in their own right. It's, you know, uh, what, drama comedy and then uh, horror comedy. But in regards to being polar opposites, yes, they are. In my mind, at least. <laughs> so here it is. Uh, enjoy uh, episode 31, segment two of uh, Polar Opposites. Here it is. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Martial Media Montage, episode 31, Polar Opposites. I am going to start with uh, The Dirt, the uh, Motley Crue film uh, in 2019, a Netflix special on the band. Uh, and as you can tell, or at least you can probably hear in the background, I'm playing Deftones. Totally not <laughs> hair metal related, but I was just in the mood for some Chino Moreno. And I got myself a Voodoo Ranger IPA. Let me take a sip. Okay. So what's nice about this one is I get to talk movies and music. So let's go. Based on the best-selling uh, autobiography from the band, the film is an unflinching tale of success and excess. Four outcasts arrive from the uh, streets of Hollywood to the heights of international fame. Uh, according to IMDb, it has a 7 out of 50,000 reviews. And directed by Jackass cinematographer Jeff Tremaine. This is actually his first film that wasn't Jackass related. Kind of cool, but... Obviously, uh, critically, it wasn't a success for him as far as uh, critics' receptions go, but I'll get to that momentarily. <clears throat> All right, starting off with some trivia this time. Uh, MGK, Machine Gun Kelly, a.k.a. Colson Baker, is the only American in the uh, band in the film. MGK also had uh, body makeup to cover his tattoos for the role because he's completely covered. The uh, actors actually learned to play some Molly Crew songs for the film, so that's, that's pretty cool. Rumor has it uh, Ashton Kutcher was also supposed to play uh, Tommy Lee other than uh, MGK in uh, early stages of development. Lastly, this one's kind of a funny one. Well, at least it's funny to me. Uh, in a sports car before the accident, uh, Vince Neal asks Razzle who he'd rather sleep with, Cindy Lauper or Boy George Douglas Booth, who plays Nikki Six, who's from England in this film, uh, previously played Boy George. So it's I kind of funny, I guess. Uh, so talks of the band... Uh, the biopic began as early as actually as 2006 in regards to uh, talks of making the film when Paramount and MTV uh, purchased the uh, rights to the book. Uh, but the project languished and going through numerous directors and cast members before Netflix purchased it in 2017. Filming began in 2018 in New Orleans. When the film released the following year, it uh, received generally negative reviews uh, saying it would um, please fans, but it hesitated in, quote, in handling the more troubling uh, aspects of the band's history, end quote. I mean, you know, it's, it's a movie. I guess if they if they really wanted to make it as, you know, trite and true in regards to, uh, you know, conveying all aspects of what happened with the band, I guess they could have made a separate film or just made a miniseries or a documentary or something. This is a biopic. Like, people also want to be just entertained, which I think is what it did for the fans, more or less. I mean, I'm not even the biggest, like, Motley Crue fan. I think I like the first album in its entirety, and then all the other albums I like maybe two or three songs off of each album. You know, I mean, they, they're they iconic for what they are. I'm, like, defending a... <laughs> I'm defending a film here. Whatever. I'm talking. So... It's just, it's incredible that some people are just so offended that like, oh, you know, I read the book and it didn't cover everything. I mean, 
how do you think fucking, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien felt? Well, obviously he was dead. For example, like, you know, they couldn't cover everything in Lord of the Rings, but they did a damn near pretty damn close job. So anyway, that's what I had to say about that. <laughs> Shout out to Lord of the Rings, apparently. Uh, the film was bogged down since its inceptions, even when Jeff Tremaine signed on in 2013. The film was actually dropped by MTV Films, then picked up again in 2015 by Focus, and then, as I said before, in 2017 by Netflix. I just wanted to uh, elaborate on that. Uh, as I said before, receptively, it uh, essentially bombed, uh, and let's find out why. Uh, this is what Metacritic uh, had to give it. 39 out of 100. That sucks. Uh, I don't know why. I really liked the film. Generally unfavorable reviews, as I said. I will also have had higher hopes from Rolling Stone magazine, considering, you know, that's what they're known for is, like, hard rock stuff like this. But anyway, not in the slightest. Uh, two out of five stars. Their quote, this is a rock bad boy uh, lore as a rocking boar. An endless parade of recreated uh, after-party ecstasy uh, and emptiness that robs the film of its vicarious thrill it had on the page. Uh they serve that you shouldn't – or excuse me. Yes, the serve that you shouldn't be having <clears throat> this much of a secondhand high, reading about musicians acting like horrible people but still seeming to be living the dream heroic, end quote. What the fuck, dude? All right. Anyway, this is how I feel. I, I, I picked and chose some aspects that I want to talk about. Very, very little, if anything. Maybe like one aspect of the film that I didn't like, and I'll get to that. I mean you get to see – Nikki Six from a broken home known as I think it was like Frank Ferrara or something uh, was his you know legal name then he goes to the legal office and changes his name and it's just it's really cool seeing that in regards to kind of like how Quentin Tarantino does with um, his aspects of films he'll take it from different parts and then they all kind of converge together it was really cool to see that aspect because I had no idea you know of the four members uh, upbringings uh, for instance you know Tommy it sounds like he had a a well off kind of family and like they all cared for him and loved him. And, you know, yet he kind of in the film, at least it looked like he kind of pushed him away, you know, sort of uh, respectfully per se, you know, Mick Mars uh, suffered from spinal injuries pretty much the entirety of the film. And I forget what the uh, phrase was that he has. I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, he's killer on guitar though. It was awesome. I mean, Vince had it rough with, uh, you know, his child support and, you know, trying to, maintain being a good father and didn't really get to spend much time with his daughter Skylar, you know, and then she unfortunately passes away. And then uh, the whole manslaughter with Razzle, like, you know, as soon as he got his fame and notoriety, it was kind of just all downhill for Vince. That kind of sucks. I mean, on a higher, uh, better note, it was fucking dope that, you know, Ozzy was in the film and he's, you know, tempting the uh, old people with like a dollar bill in his ass. And then he uh, <laughs> gets up on the lifeguard tower and then jumps down, takes a piss, then drinks it. And then he snorts the ants at the pool deck. And then, uh, what is it? I think Nikki tries to take a piss. And Ozzy pushes him out of the way. And then he's drinking Nikki's piss, like, off the pool deck. I mean, like, it was – it's a movie. You go to be entertained. I mean, if, for instance, going into it, and I knew that I wanted to see some sort of, like, documentary aspect, then, yes, I wouldn't want to see them in excess just be stupid. But, I mean, then again, think about this. You have to remember, too, it was done by Jeff Tremaine. What's he known for? for filming fucking stupid people and making money. So to me, that makes a lot of fucking sense. So, you know, reviewers and critics, mind your own business, man. Just, it's all about having fun. 
the whole idea of just the endless sucks drugs in uh, rock and roll and then breaking the fourth wall like in between, you know, uh, what does the uh, Elector guy say? He's like, hey, don't let any of the members of uh, Motley Crue, you know, see your girlfriend because they'll fuck them. Like, I mean, come on, man. It's just it was it was cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, primarily the entirety of the film, you know, they played their older stuff and it was the up and coming aspect of them all meeting together and playing the music together. And, you know, they didn't really fight too much. I feel like until later on, which, you know, with the success of, I feel like bands typically that's from what I gather is usually what happens, you know, they were just out there having fun. It was, it was really cool. And I, I enjoyed that you actually got to see the uh, behind the scenes kind of with like Heather Locklear and Tommy and all that. You know, uh, my dislike was the only one that I felt was it would have been kind of interesting to see the whole like Tommy Lee and a Pamela Lee, a Pamela Lee, Pamela Lee Anderson or Pamela Anderson Lee. Fuck. Can't even speak English. Uh, some sort of actress that could have portrayed her in the film and they could have, you know, shown that little love um romanticism there it would have been kind of cool i mean and then david lee roth at the party you know he gets all coked out and the one guy falls over and drops like a mirror on his head and he's like what's everyone looking at you know like come on that was fucking funny man you know back and forth in the studio and then they're arguing and it's just all of it man it was it was good i literally like i said the only thing i didn't i felt like i missed was like hey why didn't they add pamela anderson in this film but that's that's fine that was the only thing that bothered me. Other than that, it was it was great. I loved it. It was a rock and roll, fast-paced ride the entire time. And the first song they played was Livewire, which is hands down probably my favorite song by them personally. I remember hearing it on, a, I think it was like a 411 VM a skate video. It was a Jay Adams. He was a skating for like Black Label, like a commercial or something. And that song came on. And I was like, who is that? Found out it was Motley Crue. I was a fan ever since. And I had their cassettes along with other uh, hair bands. I think it was like Dawkin and Skid Row I also had. And... Man, you know, yeah, some good times. But, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to see was just the whole gritty aspect of them just having fun and just being grimy, you know. What a lovable, grimy rock, uh, rock group. That's what I want to see within my next uh, biopics out there. So if Jeff Tremaine picks up like a Motorhead or, you know, an ACDC movie or something or even fucking Black Sabbath biopic, like, come on, man. If he does it, it's going to be the same shit and I will be happy. I will love it. So... Speaking of grimy, uh, let's get over to this other movie that I'm going to talk about now. Let's go. All right, moving on. I'm going to be talking the movie uh, Willy's Wonderland. Uh, wow. Willy's Wonderland, also known as originally the short uh, story film uh, Wally's Wonderland. Uh, I'm just going to keep continuing to play uh, Deftones, the album Saturday Night Wrist. Um, the film is an hour... And 28 minutes long, made in 2021 on Hulu, a quiet drifter, Nick Cage, is tricked into a janitorial job at the now-condemned Willy's Wonderland. The mundane tasks suddenly become an all-out fight for survival against wave after wave of demonic animatronics. <sighs> According to IMDb, the film has a 5.5 out of 30,000 reviews, one being a... Uh, a f excuse me... I mean, it's just, I don't know why it's so low. I mean, I'm a fan, and it bothers me. I was going to say, I think it deserves a 6.2 in my book, personally. I'll explain later, but here it is. For its original ideas and execution overall, it was just, it was a really cool uh, film. I enjoyed it. 
Starting off again with some trivia, Nick Cage plays a uh, silent janitor the entire time throughout the film, and he improvises. There's a sequence where he's playing a pinball machine in the back room uh, of Willy's Wonderland, and the dance that he does is improvised, and it shows because it looks terrible, but nice try, Nick. (laughs) Um, The fictional drink, quote-unquote, punch that he's drinking essentially every two hours uh, throughout the film, uh, there's a text on it that states, a fistful of caffeine for your kisser on the can. Uh, Cage produced the uh, movie himself, being uh, very protective over the script. Uh, Lastly, for trivia, a little homage to uh, the lead female, um, Liv, in the movie. Um, Her line is, uh, he's not trapped in there with them, they're trapped in there with him, is actually referenced to Rorschach in the graphic novel uh, The Watchmen. So that's pretty cool, because I loved that graphic novel, and I loved that movie. I mean, I'm normally not like a big comic book fan, uh, but that was a really, really good book and a really good movie. Sadly, it was a box office bust, this film, uh, Willy's Wonderland. The budget was $5.5 million and only grossing about $457,000. Uh, that's it. That's not very good. Let's read on, though, shall we? The film follows the quiet janitor who is stalked by eight murderous animatronics possessed by the souls of cannibalistic psychotic killers. Based on a 2016 short film, as I said, called uh, Wally's Wonderland, then changed to Willy for the uh, film's production. Uh, Set for a theater release in 2020, but was postponed due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, then released digitally in 2021 on uh, Hulu. The film received a small cult following due to its uh, comparison to Five Nights at Freddy's The Game, Uh, Parsons, the director, having denied any uh, similarities whatsoever. Uh, of that production moving on the pinball machine in the film was actually based on the 1982 Gottlieb uh, table known as devil's dare filming took place in atlanta georgia in a desolate bowling alley in a shopping center in east cobb marietta uh, was fictionalized to willie's wonderland special effects for the film were done by molly coffee whose expertise in design and fabrication with puppetry helped create visual movement and appearance for the eight animatronic psychopaths There were even three series of comic books to promote the movie along with uh, the Willy's Wonderland t-shirt that Nick Cage wears in the film. Kind of cool. I'd be down to definitely purchase a shirt. Uh, There is actually talks of a possible sequel. Uh, Parsons, the director, stated that he had an idea for a sequel if the film got enough support. In early 2021, uh, there were talks of it actively being discussed. Uh, That's essentially all I could find on it for now. I mean... Which they could continue with the Siren Sarah. I would only think so at the end because the Pixie, sh- you know, if you've seen the film, I was going to say uh, these two guys, it's like Tex, uh, who ho- happens to be the quote unquote like new owner. And then um, the uh, tow truck driver, they show up in like a little car. They open up the door at the end and they're like, oh, you're still alive or whatever. And he essentially leaves. And then one of the uh, quote unquote animatronics gets out of a trash can that they thought, you know, they got rid of. She comes back and essentially like blows up the uh, vehicle, but you don't really see her after that. Um, so that was the only thing quickly in my mind that after the uh, vehicle blows up, maybe they could just say that, oh, it blew off like her leg or something, and she's obviously still quote-unquote alive. Uh, that's the only thing that I can think of that they can go off of. Uh, I'm shooting for a prequel personally, something that possibly explains why Nick is silent you know, maybe uh, he encountered these uh, crooks before and he had intentions of going to this area in a, you know, fictional Marietta um, 
Willy's Wonderland in order to uh, track down these killers because maybe they ripped out his vocal cords and he knew that they were actually trapped in these uh, animatronics or something. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool if they uh, decided to do something in relation to that or why he drinks the punch every two hours. Um, you know, that caffeine related to maybe even like a Jason Statham crank kind of reference perhaps just to keep his heart alive. I, I mean, they could really go anywhere, I feel like, with a prequel. I think it would have more meaning and understanding in relation to like what happened in the, uh, you know, Willy's Wonderland. Or like how and why does Nick Cage know how to fight like he does in the film? Or give us a backstory on the killers before they, you know, transfer themselves into the animatronics after the whole, you know, demonic suicide uh, sequence. There's definitely potential, I think, much more for a prequel rather than a sequel. But if they want to continue it, by all means, I will probably watch it and we'll see how it goes. Okay, likes. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that Cage said nothing the entire film other than just making like gestures with his face or, you know, I think he occasionally nodded. I don't think he shook his head and, you know, he would make like little like noises after taking a sip like this. Like, that was pretty much it. That was all he said. Uh, Beth Grant, you know, from uh, a lot of com- – uh, com- I can't even fucking speak English. A lot of comedies in, like, the 90s. She's in it. She's essentially a sheriff that picks up uh, Liv after uh, her parents initially, you find out later on, were tricked in uh, Willie's Wonderland. And they, um, you know, get eaten by the uh, cannibalistic animatronics. And she finds that the daughter – Liv, who lives, no pun intended, with uh, Beth Grant's character now in the film, um, ends up being like the lead protagonist. And, you know, she wants to destroy everything at Willie's Wonderland. She even tries to uh, commit arson and light it on fire. And then uh, the sheriff grabs her, chains her to like, I believe, some sort of like radiator. Not chains, I'm sorry, handcuffs. I mean, same, you get the idea. For those of you who have seen it, highly, highly recommended if you haven't. I'm not trying to spoil the film, it's just something that's on my mind that I want to talk about. Uh, cool plot overall, luring people to their death in that regard that, uh, you know, kind of like how Texas Chainsaw, like they all kind of were in on it. Like obviously, uh, you know, Tex knew he owned, uh, Willie's Wonderland. And then, uh, obviously the sheriff knew and she would help out if she needed to. They essentially pleaded with Willie, like, you know, Hey, we'll feed you these bodies. As long as you don't touch any of our people or touch any of the townspeople, leave us alone and we'll leave you alone here. Have a body. And yeah, sometimes people would get lured to their death whether they were good or bad people and they even said that in the film there's some really fucking awesome fight sequences with nick cage i mean and and it's really cool that even though it wasn't necessarily like blood you know they could use like the oil from the actual animatronics and robotics themselves you know coming out of like the spine or the eyes or whatever and you know the just fighting the ostrich fighting the uh nighty night i mean there's blood in that you know because he uses his sword and decapitates some people but uh i mean the gorilla fighting scene i mean willie at the end an awesome epic fight scene um you know and then the chameleon with like the tongue coming out and the alligator like he splits the mouth open like how king kong did in peter jackson's king kong when he splits open the dinosaur's mouth like it was some really cool graphic fight scenes cool effects so thank you molly coffee on that note, I disliked the strobe light. I just, I'm not a, I feel like strobe lights work better if you're actually in that particular setting yourself. But when you see it on TV, personally, I feel like it just fucking hurts my head. Uh, the acting was bad. I mean, that's expected. Nobody was really a notable actor other than Nick Cage, who said nothing, or Beth Grant, who, no matter what she's in, whether it's funny, serious, whatever, I, I feel like she's an underrated actress. Not like, oh my God, I have to go watch everything that she's ever done. But yeah, I mean, she's, 
you know, she's worth she's worth watching. Not like, you know, I don't know, insert another famous female actress here. I mean, Meryl Streep or Angelica Houston or Betty Davis or Joan Crawford. I'm naming all these old ones that are iconic. I mean, you know, Lauren Bacall, whatever. But I mean, <laughs> Beth Grant's not to that caliber, but she's worth watching is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the whole, I love the whole, uh, you know, paradigm that, you know, sex in a horror film, you die. So I love that they go to the super happy fun room, kind of funny, haha, you know, then of course that couple dies. So thank you for living up to the whole 70s, 80s mantra of if you do <laughs> sex or if you do drugs in a film, you're dead. So that was cool. Uh, Liv leaving with Cage at the end. I was really hoping uh, Nick Cage would kind of do like some sort of like head gesture like kind of showing some sort of sense of humanity, like, Hey, come on in. But he literally just looks at her and then she just gets in and, you know, he gives her the punch and she has a sip and then they drive away. But, uh, I, I am definitely a fan of this film. It almost makes me want to play five nights at Freddy's having never played it. I, as you guys who are an audience that enjoys my content. So thank you. Um, I almost feel like I might have to go see if I can purchase those games and play them. But, uh, as always, uh, Polar Opposites. Uh, this is kind of a new little segment. This is only the second segment I've done in regards to uh, talking two different types of films. Um, but uh, it's similar in relation to being grimy and gritty, sure. But uh, on two you know, separate ends of the spectrum, some sort of a drama comedy meets, I guess, horror comedy, if you will. But you get the idea. So as always, Marshall Media Montage, episode 31. Thank you for the uh, love and support. Thank you for sticking around, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day or night or afternoon, wherever you are. Thank you.